Shit, I forgot where we were. You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 181 of the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm Dave Roberts. If you're expecting my beautiful, smart co-host, not this week. Unfortunately, we have Matt Lowe. Yeah. Yeah. You need to leave. I am beautiful and I'm smart. (laughs) Though, to be fair, I'm not as beautiful and as smart as Jessica. So there's that. No, Jessica uh, is being detained this week. Apparently, uh, Van Johnson and Savannah caught wind of some of the stuff we said about him on the show, and she happened to cross the border into Savannah, and he's holding her. He hasn't charged her yet, so we don't really have any arraignment yet or or a booking photo, but as soon as we have it, we'll post it up. Hell yeah, we will. (laughs) Matt, how have you been? I've been good. How have you been, Dave? Man, it's been a hell of a week. So, I I don't know what it is. I think... So you're you're kind of in the construction field, uh, the same way that I am, and like everybody that I know, has it's just been one of those weeks that only folks in the construction industry understand. It's it it's a scramble to find materials. It's it's one of those things where I can get you something, but I can't get you anything. Right. So this stuff where my stuff's not working or my, you know, my HVAC is not working, but we want to go 20 sear, you know, with, you know, variable speed compressors and stuff like that. Like, no, no. But what I can offer you is this at, at a good price and I can, and I can get it done quickly. If you want, if you want to hold out and it's look, all those computer boards are sitting on ships and off the coast of California, waiting to be offloaded because we've paid longshoremen and truckers to stay the hell home. Right. So, like with me, I, you know, I deal in the metals side of things where I'm like, I'm legitimately dealing with aluminum and steel and stainless. I thought you were talk, talking about Danzig. No, no. The no, metal no. side of things, you know? <laughs> right. But, like, I'm seeing prices for regular carbon steel, just regular, you know, it'll rust steel that are on par with stainless prices from this time last year. Oh, yeah. Look, I've already got my second 10% price increase for my suppliers this year. Right. And they're they're saying there's going to be another one coming. Yeah. No, I've got... So right now, I I can seriously I can buy aluminum cheaper than I can buy carbon steel. You know the world's upside down right now. It it's absolutely upside down, and you're you are more tied into directly into the commodities market than I am. I, I'm I'm more related to commodities. Obviously, copper goes into air conditioners, aluminum goes into air conditioners, silicone goes into the boards. Uh, Obviously, steel goes into the casings and all that stuff, but you're tied directly in commodities because you're buying commodities. You're making steel cable handrails, stainless stuff, and and things like that. You are 100% tied into commodities, and you may give a price somebody a price at 8 a.m. and say it's good till 10. Yeah, no, I 
I seriously, I give, so my suppliers give me prices that are good till the end of the day. And then my general contractors are asking for prices that are good for 60 days. Oh, yeah. I, I know kidding. Get phone calls from, from usually from contractors. Homeowners know this stuff, man. They, they, they've they been to Home Depot. They've seen the price of lumber. Uh, but I'll get like, oh, man, two years ago, you were doing them for, doing new houses for you know, this much per ton. I'm like, yeah. How much were houses two years ago? Right. <laughs> the, the same square footage per square foot. How much was how, how much were houses two years ago? Uh, uh, right. Air conditioning went up too. Right. So did the yeah. price of toilets. Dude, my wife's a realtor. I mean, this time two years ago, she was doing she was doing a, a three bedroom, two bathroom brick ranch house in a in a mediocre neighborhood for two hundred thousand. Now. She's doing a, a, a two-bedroom, or sorry, a three-bedroom, two-bathroom, you know, ranch in a crap neighborhood for two seventy five, and the house needs work, right? And it's like, going to go for three twenty five because they're going to have to offer over asking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she'll list them. She'll list them at at two sixty five. They go for two seventy nine. And the the buyer is like, there will be no inspection, there will be no requests for repairs, nothing. We and just, the lows get richer. <laughs> 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 no, we're not rich, homie. <laughs> <laughs> not with 18 kids, you're not. No. <laughs> Hell no, we're not. <laughs> I got you're still, you're, to pay for, and that goes up too. <laughs> yeah, you're still drinking PBR. <laughs> right, Mick Ultra, but whatever. <laughs> hey, Mick loves high class. Yeah, I know. I, you know, like I have a limit. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of drinking, we have a listener suggested story of the week. It's strippers. Ooh, Police officers awesome. in Fl- Florida dropped hundreds of dollars on drinks, cigarettes, and lap dances during an undercover operation at a strip club, but made. No arrests. Well, it sounds like everybody had a good time. So what's the problem? (laughs) Tampa Police Sergeant Daniel Rhodes was suspended for a day and removed from the department's street anti-crime squad following the internal probe into the January 2020 visit to the Gold Club. Wait, is that the, is that the, hold on. Is that the same gold club that used to be operate here in Atlanta? I doubt it. I think it's a pretty common name. Gold Club, Gold Rush, uh, Mouse's Ear, uh, Dollhouse. Uh, I, all those names, I think, are repeated. Right. Now, I know like a minute ago, I'm like, oh, who cares? That's in, it, Obviously, that was in jest because it's taxpayer money that they're using. Right. So, oh, absolutely. Now, look. The officers advised they spent $421 on the cover charge, drinks for themselves, drinks for the dancers, drinks for the dancers' friends, shots for the bartenders, a pack of cigarettes, cover charge for the lap dance area, and one lap dance each. Let me tell you something, that sounds like a damn bargain. No shit, that sounds like they were there for like an hour. No wonder they didn't get any intel. (laughs) 
You're only <laughs> dropping. There's like multiple people, and you're dropping four hundred and twenty-one dollars. Right, I dude. So when I was like, I don't know, nineteen years old, I dropped nine hundred dollars on a Sunday night. And that's that's B that's B squad right there too. Yeah, no, no. So Sunday in the county that this particular strip club was in, you couldn't sell alcohol on Sundays. So I, I I dropped that much money on a Sunday night on a stripper named Cartier with no booze. <laughs> of course her name's Cartier. <laughs> Was she working her way through law school or medical school? Medical school. Medical school. <laughs> she's she's my PA now, but whatever. <laughs> Boop. Dr. Cartier to emergency, Dr. Cartier to emergency as she buttons back up her lab coat. Right. <laughs> now, look, we've all seen Miami Vice. Right. And, you know, it looks really cool to be Crockett and Tubbs riding around in a Ferrari going, going to strip clubs and and dropping big stack, big stacks of cash. You know, they were investigating several things, uh, part of it being narcotics and prostitution. If you're dropping $400 in a strip club, you're not going to be offered prostitution. Right. I, I'm not speaking from experience here, but I'm just saying, we were talking about inflation you know, earlier. $421, is that doesn't inspire a girl to say, hey, listen, I'm going to put my freedom at risk. You put another zero on the end of it, Maybe you get some offers. And if you're only dropping 400 bucks, you can't afford Coke. Right. So why even offer it? So, like, I hung out at a real sleazy strip club up off Roswell Road at, at one point, I don't know, 30 years ago. No, well, not quite 30 years ago, 25 years ago. And to, to like, to get into the sleazy side of things, it was three fifty. Yeah, adjusted for inflation, that's a grand. Right. So, so I don't know if their intel was bad or they just really suck at their jobs. Or, or do they just walk in with four hundred bucks and go? Excuse me, where can I buy some cocaine and get some prostitutes? <laughs> right. I need some hookers and blow, and I got four hundred bucks. <laughs> And everybody went, oh, we're going to take their money. Yeah. Undercover cops did not receive any intelligence from a dancer at the club who had purportedly ties to a shooting suspect in Tampa's Ybor City section. So really, $400 didn't get her to say, I know who shot Boo? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. It, it's a waste of taxpayer funds. Or they didn't spend enough taxpayer funds to get the intel. So either they were there to have a good time and spent 400 bucks. I, again, I, this is the elitist stuff. To, you know, you and I are both now elitists coming out here. Wait, you whoa, spent, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm an elitist now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if we're both saying multiple people, including buying drinks for strippers, strippers, friends, and and, and all and lap, one lap dance each. What, what, what do they get tickets at the door for one lap dance? 
Like like I, this I, is a church picnic. I well, I need to bask in this moment for a for a minute, Dave. Oh, I've converted you. You're you're an elitist. I'm elitist now. <laughs> you know you are. I know. <laughs> you went from being poor white trash, a cop's kid, to an elitist. Right. <laughs> of course, you're thinking, yeah, my elitist has to climb up to, uh, top of a tower to adjust a handrail because my guy's got it wrong. I get it. My elitist ass has to go into crawl spaces to fix what my guys didn't do right, too. That's true. Do you, you want to hear my funny elitist story? Go ahead. All right, so my daughter is a senior in high school, and they uh, her class this year, she only has, like, one class because, listen to this she could have taken a summer school class, a summer school class, and graduated. Been done a whole year early. But she wanted to, to experience senior year for everything that it is. So her, her first cl- on her first class of her first day, they played that game, three lies, or sorry, two lies and a truth. This is where my elitist thing comes out. That's not the game I was playing as a senior in high school, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I wasn't playing that game either. <laughs> <laughs> her, her, uh, her, her three things were, I work at Chick-fil-A, I drive a BMW, and I have seven siblings. Or, no, sorry, I am one of seven siblings. You want to guess which one the folks thought was the lie? The BMW? No. The seven seven siblings? Working at Chick-fil-A. Ah, (laughs) and she does it that. (laughs) She works, like, all of them were truth. You know, yeah, she ran across my truck the other day. Did she? Yeah, I called you. I was like, because yeah. I thought you were sitting at the pool while your daughter was was out there sweating, r- running bags of food out to the Uber drivers, <laughs> which would have been awesome. Right? Oh, yeah, would have. You need to understand. No, it, <laughs> no. She, your your eldest daughter is an absolute sweetheart and, and great kid. Uh. You guys are very lucky with that one. No, we no, we totally are. And we're lucky with our very oldest. Oh, yeah. he's Well, I mean, yeah, he's a smart kid. He went in the Air Force. He's not dumb like the, you and me. Right. <laughs> right. Matt, Matt, Matt and I went in the Army. Let's go to the Army. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one step above the Marines. Right. You're like, oh, you scored too high for the Marines. Here, here's the Army. Can I go to the Air Force? No, son. No, no, nope, no, not high enough. We're not going to let you work on jets, but here, here's a machine gun. <laughs> right. Shoot that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back on the story. Tips have right. uh, previously been, been received that dancers were selling Sex the Club from June through December 2019, leading to the undercover operation, according to an internal affairs report. Uh, first of all, who is this news to? Like, 
who's this news to that I'm not saying every stripper is a hooker, but every strip club has a few hookers. So, like, I have this idea that, right, not every stripper is a hooker, but they can be bought, clearly. Well, I think I told you this one. This is from uh, uh, a, a close family friend. We I call him uncle because he's, you know, I was born the same time as their kid. He says, so I was sitting in a bar next to a young lady. And, and at the time, uh, he was in his 60s. He says, so I said, how about $1,000 for one night? She goes, no, ew. It's about $5,000. She goes, no. He goes, $10,000 one night. She goes, $10,000. He goes, ah, now that we've established what you are, we're haggling over price. <laughs> so back on the, the original trail. Right. Uh, either these officers were lying and just using taxpayer funds to have a good time. And I, again, I don't know what kind of good time you have in $421. Or their budget was too low to actually get any intel. Like one guy going in there with a thousand could do better than three guys walking in with $421. Each of us got a lap dance. What? That's not, look, I, I, I don't frequent those clubs, but it's not, if you're, if you're punching tickets for, for lap dances, that's not the guy that the girls who are selling blow are going to gravitate towards. Right. They're, they're looking for the guy who is a little bit drunk, maybe a little high, who's throwing money around, who's throwing $300 at the girl on the stage. Right. That's the guy they're like, okay, that's the one I'm going to sell blow to. But yeah. speaking of boobs, Councilwoman Victoria Martinez Muela accepted financial assistance from a lobbyist to help pay for her breast augmentation. The lobbyist... Singrid Lopez said in a sworn declaration that she paid $1,100 to Pasadena, uh, Pasadena uh, I can't talk, cosmetic surgery in late 2016 to help cover the cost of the procedure. She got in trouble for was not disclosing it on her campaign finance. Right. So that the really the crux of the story is not the fact that a lobbyist kicked in, but the fact that she didn't disclose the gift. Right. And, and and we both know eleven hundred dollars is a drop in the bucket on the jugs or dropping the jugs. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, anybody that uh, that knows me personally knows that my wife just had a a full mommy makeover, and eleven hundred bucks is nothing. I mean, it was twenty three grand. It was like eleven hundred dollars wouldn't even get me in the room. Right, yeah. I mean, $1,100 would get you a, a sneak peek at, at some decent cleavage when it's all said and done. Well, I got that anyway. Right, well, I mean, on Mondays, but... <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, look, as far as political bribes go, $1,100 is not a bribe. Right. Uh, allegedly, this lobbyist is a friend of this council person. And it was one of those things where she was $1,100 short and she didn't want to have one and three quarters boobs. So it's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll kick in $1,100. You pay me back when you can, whatever. But this comes up now because they're going after her for something else. And this is an area in LA County. Uh, but it's funny that this was, this has always been out there. 
but it's only coming up five years later because they're going after her for something else. So it's sort of like the, the city council kept this in their back pocket. Right. I did see a picture of her. I mean, I mean, they, she did go bigger is better. Um, the most misogynistic, let me tell you why you're wrong yet. <laughs> I mean, look, if you're going to do it, do it right. Oh yeah. I mean, that, that, that's fine. Look, she should get in trouble with ethics commission for not disclosing. Absolutely. Do I think she, she should be run out of office? I mean, I don't know. I, I, you hit her with an ethics fine and all that stuff. I don't, as far as qualifying as a, as a bribe, it sure was above, uh, uh, like out in the open for it to be a bribe. Right. Like bribes are done. Let's just ask Jim Beck in McDonald's bags full of cash. Yeah, right. Not, That's a not, bribe. <laughs> yeah. Not your friend writing a check to your, co- to your cosmetic surgeon for the last $1,100 towards your, I'm guessing, $10,000, $15,000 surgery. Uh, so that sort of, it, it sort of seems, seems like political theater on that. I don't know what her politics are, and I don't know what the internal politics of of this particular uh, municipality are. But it sure does seem like they kept this in their back pocket until they wanted to go after her. Right. And it's, like I said, it, again, this goes back to, to being an elitist. $1,100 is not a bribe. You cannot buy me for $1,100. Right. You need to add yeah. a couple zeros to that, Oss. Yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you're forking out, you know, 20 grand for a surgery, that's like purely cosmetic, which means your insurance isn't covering it. You're, you're doing every bit of it on your own. $1,100, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, if you told me that that Martha was eleven hundred dollars short on her surgery, I'd like, hey man, I'll, I'll loan you eleven hundred dollars. Not a big deal, right? Yeah, that it's, like eleven hundred dollars to me is something that you could approach a friend for. Hey man, I mean, I need eleven hundred bucks. You know, like if if you called me and said, "Hey, I need eleven hundred bucks," I'd be like, "Okay," and I wouldn't even ask you what it's for. Uh, the strip club in Tampa. I'm whatever you know. I mean, you're I like, realize you're an AC you, guy, and that's probably you're a like, bad bet. But whatever. You, now you'd be like, let's get twenty two hundred dollars, and I'll come with you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Thirty. So we have, and we'll make it a good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Stand hotel close to the close to the club. Right. I'm sorry. That's not a hotel. It's going to be close to that club. It'd be a motel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the kind you enter from the outside. Yeah. I was say, yeah. Enter from the street. <laughs> so Missouri governor pardoned gun waving St. Louis couple, Mike and Patricia McCluskey, uh, pleaded guilty in June to pointing guns at demonstrators uh, following the, the, the killing of George Floyd. And we're all uh, very familiar with, uh, the striped shirt uh, pointing um, looks like a little Walther PPK or something. And the pink polo tucked into the khakis, both barefoot. Uh, he's holding an AR. Uh, actually, a, a classic A2 AR with no optic and iron sights, so respect. 
the governor pardoned him. Good. Absolutely. I don't look at, at no point did I see them actually point it. Those quote unquote protesters were trespassing. So, like, that was kind of my thing about it is, is there, they were wanting to crucify them based on their ability to handle their specific firearms. I'm down with that, right? But that's an internal argument within the gun community. Right? Like, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you, the, like, y'all suck at the way that you did this. Right. But had I been, now, so were it myself and my wife in our, in our subdivision dealing with the same scenario, right? The gun handling would have been different. Well, no, it, it, but, if we were here, it would have been me out front, my wife in the house with hers right. as a fallback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. She would have been out front. You would have seen, or she would have been inside. You would have seen me out front. You would have seen much better, you know, gun handling capabilities. But you're not a weenie lawyer wearing a pink polo. Right. No, I mean, I'm I'm military trained. And I, yeah, in addition to that, I've taken hundreds of hours of additional training uh, with firearms, you know, post-military service. So, and, and you would have had more than one mag on you. Oh, hell yeah. I'd had more than one gun on me, too, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, that, no, they'd have been staged in my house. And, and I don't have anything anywhere near the McCluskey's house. I mean, there'd have been, there'd have been fallback positions if I, if I had to ditch the AR to get back to. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, so for anybody listening, if you want to come to my house, at no point in my house... Am I further than six feet from a loaded firearm? No, absolutely. Ever. No, if my gun, if my pants are on a gun's on. Uh, it, uh, right. You, well, there's that. But I could be, I could be stark naked standing in the middle of my living room. There's a loaded gun within six feet of where I stand. And all your kids listening just gagged. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Now, look, yeah, the gun handling was awful. The the first of all, her gun handling is just embarrassing. Her right. her her wrist is limp. Uh, even if she got one shot off, uh, it would have she would have stove piped because she's she's limp wristing the gun. Hey, look, we're we're getting in we're getting into to to the weeds with that. But the fact is, they did not commit any crime. They're they're lawyers. They knew they didn't commit any crimes. Right. In fact, I think there was an internal thing with the governor that said, go ahead and plead guilty. I'll pardon you. Right. Yeah. But I then mean, we it, it's not against the law to, to have poor gun handling techniques. No, it's not against the law to be, to be an idiot either. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, by our own governor, but whatever. Yeah. But we're, but we're two, we're two guys who have taken training, who've, who've been through military training, who slept with M16s. So it's, it's, it's a little different. Uh, but again, mad respect for not going totally tactical with like an ACOG and all that stuff. He had iron sights. Eh, good for you. Uh, but then we have Cori Bush, who is a, a congresswoman, I believe, from Missouri, 
who lost her ever-loving mind about it. I mean, saying that they're gonna get their, uh, they're gonna get theirs, and then she goes off on this rant about defunding the police and about her personal protection. She basically says, "I need my personal protection because my body is is important. Me being here is important because I'm doing important work. So it doesn't matter if I spend two hundred thousand or two hundred ten. My body is important because I'm doing important work. But yes, we need to defund police." Corey Bush lost. Look, you know, we call balls and strikes on this show. She just wrote every Republican's ad for them for 2022. Yes, she did. <laughs> First of all, she's she's nutty than squirrel poop. But she just wrote even the Democrats going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just found the Democrats knew Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> I'm just going to babble, make no sense in front of the camera. Right. <laughs> Every, even the Democrats were going, oh, we don't really mean defund the police. We mean reimagine policing and, and reform. And, and, and they're trying to walk all this stuff back. And she's like, no, defund. That money needs to go somewhere else. And I'm like, Oh, and but my two hundred thousand dollars security is important because I'm important. But defund the police, the people, the guys that protect you. Yeah, we're going to defund them. Oh, right. she and then say that the St. Louis couple that actually had the testicular fortitude to defend their own home, they're going to get theirs. Basically, saying they're going to go after you on the federal level. Which right. she doesn't have the she doesn't have the authority to do, especially right. she, after she, she doesn't have the juice for that. She's shut up. <laughs> she doesn't have the juice. Even if she did have it, she lost it when she gave her whole diatribe about why she deserves two hundred thousand dollars a year in security, and you don't. Right. <laughs> Lord have and look. It, you really, you should anybody should look up. The, I mean, it is. I mean, white on all four sides of her eyes. Crazy, like. David Koresh crazy. Like Jim Jones crazy. <laughs> but people in her district are just drinking that Kool-Aid. Yep. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on this show, including Jessica, or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories on thegeorgiavirtue.com. Well, Matt, the war on landlords continues and the landlords are hitting back. How are they hitting back? A group of landlords and real estate companies issued a legal challenge on Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday night, last Wednesday, in D.C. court to the Biden administration's new National Eviction Moratorium. The Alabama and Georgia Association of Realtors Emergency Motion argues the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention ordered Tuesday barring evictions for most of the U.S. Uh, through October 3rd, which you just told me has been extended, you said to the end of the year, is a violation of, of their powers. Well, what part of disease is eviction? So... Man, this whole thing is 
so crazy to me. Like, you got, like, I, there's part of me that, that truly empathizes with folks that, that lost money because the company that they worked for shut down, right? But, I don't know, the, the, the reports that were listed today, today, say that the economy has bounced back and we're stronger now than we were pre-pandemic. So, why the hell are you not at work? Everybody is hiring. I'm hiring. Look, if you're if you're even remotely capable of welding and finishing stainless steel, call me. I got a job for you, $25 an hour, right? That's I, that, like simple math, that's $50,000 a year. It's actually a little more because 2080 times 50 is more, but 50 $50,000 a year. To start. I'll, to start. I'll hire you right now. And look. Look me up. Matt Lowe. I'm not hard to find. Google it. I ran for office. You've got my cell phone number. And here's the thing. And I know you're not a big, you know, cultural person. In the in the film Vacation, uh, Cousin Eddie is uh, Randy Quaid. Right. And he's sort of the 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 loser, right? And at some point they say, is Eddie still out of work? And, and his wife goes, well, he's waiting for a management position or he's holding out for a management position. And look, go drive Uber, go wait tables. These, there are, Wendy's is offering like a $1,500 bonus. Wendy's. Right. Can you not put together a Dave single? Dude, I've done the math. Right, like legitimately done the math. My the owner of my company, we've had this conversation. If if they move to a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage thing, right? At seventy eight, seventy nine hours a week, I make more than enough with overtime and everything else to pay my bills and kind of live fairly close to the lifestyle that I live now with nowhere near the amount of stress that I have now. No dealing with, with contractors who call you at seven o'clock in the morning wanting to do stuff for free. Right. Yeah. I don't like you and I had a conversation earlier where like I literally got into a pissing contest with a contractor. I don't have to deal with any of that at, at $15 an hour plus overtime, blah, blah, blah. I can sweep a floor, sweep a floor, drop fries. Yep. I like it. it, Like there's no brain power used at all. That means that store manager is making 25 or $30 an hour. Right. So now a Wendy's or McDonald's manager is making 50 grand a year. Dude, they make that now. 
that, that like a quick trip manager starts it at 40 grand a year. Yeah, I don't want that job. No, I don't either. Yeah, they're open 24 hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, yeah, no, it'd be night shift. But, but, like, my point is, is I deal with a lot of BS. And you understand it because you're, you're, you own your company. Um, but I deal with a lot of BS on a daily basis that, frankly, to not have to deal with that might be worth three bucks an hour to me. Oh, Connie has that 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 thought every every day. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if she could just go be go be a teller, I can just, go. I can go sweep a floor, and it is mindless BS. Yeah, if if Connie could just go be a teller, just go cash checks, show up at eight thirty, take her lunch, leave at five, and come home. Yep. Have nobody calling her at five thirty. Uh, have nobody calling her on Saturday not have emails to answer when, when she's off on sick leave, not answer emails when she's on vacation. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, dude, I don't, I, I would do it tomorrow. And my boss knows it. He's, he's straight said, if they move to some $15 an hour thing, I'm going to have to raise your pay because I understand the lure of not having to deal with any of it and making, you know, what you can now. Yeah, but your your bonus structure is too good for that. No, no, it is. But but there's yeah. Don't don't anybody think that that Matt Lowe is is uh, close to fifteen dollars an hour. No. First of all, he's not even close to forty hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I work about twenty five. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Every time I call you, hey, man, you at the office? Now nah, I'm at home. <laughs> What are you doing? But I'm working. But I'm working. Driving home. <laughs> it's three o'clock. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're also leaving the house at six. Right. But I'm I'm paid for um I like to tell people often when we have this conversation. I am I am paid based on the amount of uh intellectual real estate that I own and I own a lot of it. Well, my grandfather said many years ago, the goal is to be paid for what you know, not what you do. Right. Uh, my father wrote a resume years and years ago and he showed it to my grandfather. He goes, son, this looks like a, a resume for a mechanic. He goes, yeah. He goes, is that what you want to be? He goes, no. Well, then you need to rewrite this because it sounds, this is all this technical stuff. This sounds like you're, you're applying to be a mechanic because the goal is to get paid for what you know, not what you do. Uh, when, when I go out and I fix something and I fix something in five minutes, it's not the five minutes it took me to fix it. It's not the price of the part. It's the 20 years I spent learning to spend only five minutes diagnosing and fixing it. Same thing with you, is you're not paid by the hour to 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 draw something up. It's the fact that you've spent 20 years learning how to draw out CAD and, and, ma- and make that happen. And that's something that's lost in the minimum wage discussion, too, is professionals aren't paid for time. You don't pay a stockbroker for his time. You pay him for his performance. 
Even when I was in banking, I didn't get paid for my time. I, I, you know, all the, all the time I spent in banking after I got in the army, I'd never punched a clock. I wasn't paid for my time. I was paid for my production. I was paid for my knowledge and my ability to get things done. That, that's the goal. But, you know, I will, I, 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 I don't understand this, this whole idea of I'm just helpless. I, I was an IT manager and my job went off to India. So I'm just going to sit around and wait for another IT job and collect unemployment. And now not pay my rent for 20 friggin' months. Right. I, mean, yeah, I think we were talking about f- before the show. Basic math, stupid math, because, you know, I'm a simpleton. $1,000 a month, and we all know that average rent across this country is way more than 1000 For 20 months, is twenty grand. If you didn't have 1000 20 months ago, how in the hell do you have twenty grand now? Dude, if rent was only $1,000, I'd be a renter. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So double that, $40,000. And, and like you and I were talking before the show, how many people are dodging their rent knowing they can't be evicted, saving that money for a down payment on a house because interest rates are so low? There has to be a percentage of that. Right. That is gaming the system. Yeah, I mean, I just I just refinanced my house for less than 2%. Well, I told you I have a neighbor two doors down that sold his house is renting the house across the street, waiting for the real estate bubble to pop. So he's going to take that money. You know, he's going to he's going to pocket a good bit of money uh, off of selling the house, and he's going to st- stick that in a savings account because he's been there long enough. It's exempt from uh, capital gains, and stick that in an account. He's going to wait. His girl's going to be riding riding the same school bus to the same school. The only thing that's going to change is the number on his driver's license. Right. It's literally, I mean, literally across the street. I, I watched him load up some stuff in his truck and drive 15 feet across the street and start unloading it. So I'm thinking if his house goes to somebody who's going to rent it out, I'm going to, I'm going to rent his house and sell <laughs> mine. <laughs> My wife can help you out with that, Dave. I, <laughs> Ever the salesman, Matthew. Ever the salesman. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, whatever can help me. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that keeps her busy and out of your out of your business. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, Matt, we, we do have this week's uh, cultural, cultural or race baiting. This is not on the outline. Study calls for end to rough fish, which is we call... Uh, trash fish, pejorative, and a paradigm that created it. This is this is the idea. This is from uh, University of California, Davis. From art to religion to land use, much of what is deemed valuable in the United States was shaped centuries ago by white male perspective. Fish, as it turns out, are no exception. A study explores how Colonialist attitudes towards native fishes were rooted in elements of racism and sexism. It describes how those attitudes continue to shape fisheries management today, often to the detriment of native fishes. That's totally crap. Like, it's absolute horse. 
so so this is the idea that fisheries management protects species like largemouth bass, uh, crappie, uh, walleye. You're in the south, uh, dude. It's crappy. Crappy uh, walleye, muskie, uh, all these fish that that we're accustomed to fishing for, and this is all freshwater naturally, because obviously colonialists didn't spend a whole lot of time offshore without boards. Uh, it ignored. I've never heard the term rough fish. I know you haven't either. We've always said trash fish, which is going to be your gar, carp, uh. Those types of fish. Dude, in certain as, circles, I mean, largemouth bass would be considered a trash fish. I, I'm not going to eat it. No, they taste like dirt. Well, they taste like the water they come from. They call them mudfish for a reason. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had bass. I've eaten brim. I've eaten crappie. Uh, I don't really eat any freshwater fish. Because they taste like the water they come from. So if you catch a fish in Lanier, it tastes like Lanier. Right. When you catch an ocean fish, a, a blue water ocean fish, it tastes clean because it comes from blue water ocean. Right. Uh, so that's why river trout tastes better than pond trout. Because it's getting a constant supply of fresh water across its gills, therefore into its tissues, because animals taste like what they eat. Right. Uh, deer taste like, are going to taste more like acorns. If you were to take a farm-raised deer and feed them corn, it's going to taste more like a cow. Right. You take a, you take a deer that was, uh, that, was, that was harvested in South Georgia, in and around uh, big giant soybean fields, corn fields, whatever. They're going to taste a whole bunch like beef. Because they were grain finish, right? Just like just like grass fed beef tastes different from from grain fed beef. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, so the for anybody listening that you know they're like, oh, I don't like grass fed beef or I don't like deer or whatever because it tastes gamey, right? It doesn't taste like game. It tastes like meat, but. A grass-finished beef tastes different because, you know, we like like the steaks that you get at Longhorn or where at whatever your steakhouse of choice. Jesus, is. if all the low I brow know, places. I know, but you know, I just might mention Golden Crowl while you're at it. Right? <laughs> yeah, really. Shh. Dave, your elitistness is showing. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's what they taste like because they're grain-finished. And and people are like, oh, it tastes gamey. No, it, it tastes like meat. Go eat, go, go to the grocery store and buy something that is grass-fed and then compare that to your buddy who gives you a... Uh, 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 a half a backstrap from a deer that he harvested and they'll taste very similar. Yeah. And back to the story, the reason we like largemouth bass is because the game aspect of it, 
They jump, they shake, they put on a show. Same reason that I like catching sailfish and billfish, other billfish is, and and dolphin. First of all, dolphin tastes delicious. For, for those that are, that's mahi yeah, mahi. That, not, but they come out of the water, they jump, they put on a show. It's a challenge to catch them. Uh, that's why we like largemouth bass because they put on a show. They come, they crush the 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 bait that's presented. And then they fight. They put on a show, and it's a game. And the reason there's a limit on there is people, not because they want to eat them, and people do eat them. I mean, people eat carp, too. Uh, it's because you, there's a there's an aspect to, to showing it off, mounting on the wall. I've got a five, a seven, an eight-pound bass. Put it on the wall. That's why there's a limit. It, there's no racism involved in this. It's this, this idea that, that it's okay to kill gar, well, that's because there are tons of gar that that that, that there's no limit on them. Uh, and to add sexism to it, I have no idea how in the hell they threw racism and sexism at it. Right. And that's kind of my thing with it is to say that it's racist. It's not racist. Look, you know, you're you're a guy that that came across the pond on a boat in the 1600s. Right. You're eating what you can, right? You didn't eat. It, it, it wasn't like you, you rolled across here because, you know, you were rich. You may have had enough money to get here. But it's, it's, it's not a racial thing, right? He, colonial time people ate what was available to them. And if, if carp was a predominant species of fish that was available to them, they ate it. Oh yeah. And the, and the term rough fish comes from, uh, when they would, when they would net, they would, uh, they wouldn't bother filleting it. They would rough cut it. They would just gut it and, and throw it, throw it in the, in the bottom. And that's, and that's, I guess that's what poor people ate is where rough fish came from was from, uh, from rough cutting it instead of actually flaying it. Right. Uh, but you know, they're, they're talking about gar. I don't really want to eat gar. They actually are a pretty good fight. Um, you and I were talking the other day about chain pickerel, which is like a Southern pike. Uh, the largest, I mean, large being 20 inches, uh, unlike pike, which are like 40 inches. Right. Uh, it's a, it's a difference between, you know, you know, I fish for the tug. You know, I, I like the fight. Right. Uh, I, I, I enjoy catching sailfish. I enjoy catching marlin. I enjoy catching, uh, you know, even fish that I eat. I, I enjoy the tug. I, I don't want to. My idea of fishing is not going deep, using an electric reel, dropping down a bait and pulling them up. That's not fishing to me. I enjoy the fight. Now, well, so though there's a uh, there's what is it black cod or something like that that's up in Alaska that you yeah you can only get at like fourteen hundred feet or something. I would I would totally do one of those, and the only way to do that is with electric reel. Yeah, but yeah, but the same thing goes for tilefish in the Gulf of Mexico. Same thing goes with uh, 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 daytime sword fishing. You have you have to get past that thousand foot line. Right. 
But the, the, not getting, actually, we're going to talk about this in just a second, not getting in too much of the minutia. There are something called electric assist reels where you use the electric motor just to check your baits. But if you actually have a fish on, you disengage the electric motor and fight the fish up. Right. But, Matt, as we're going to closing out the show, instead of closing thoughts, let's talk about the new venture you and I have. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm super excited about this. Um, surf and turf. So Matt, Matt and I had had the idea of getting absolutely apolitical, outside of the political realm completely. Matt and I are, are very involved with local politics and state politics. Uh, obviously, we did this show together for for quite a while, and and Matt's always willing to to step in when I'm out or Jessica's out, and we need somebody. Uh, he's absolutely welcome to come back whenever his life settles down with 15 kids. I don't know when that'll be, <laughs> but to get outside of that, the idea of surf and turf. I, I'm an angler, you know. I'm a primarily saltwater fisherman. Uh, traveled extensively throughout the Americas and somewhat across the globe and, and chased game fish and, and absolutely enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's my passion. And Matt is a hunter. And the, the concept being that Matt's going to cover hunting and what's going on. And Matt being from, from Montana and, and, you know, the heart of big game hunting country. And I'm from South Florida, the heart of sport fishing country. Right. We couldn't be you know, further we, apart. If we try. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, as politics brought us together, we met working on a political campaign. Right. Uh, and th- what I want, wanted to tie it together with is a recipe talking about whatever game we're talking about or one of the games that we talk about during the show, uh, whether it's elk or it's dolphin or something like that of, of one of the ways that we like to prepare it or you know we've seen that seem interesting way of preparing that particular game. And yeah, I, 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 I'm looking forward to doing it with you because you are like super knowledgeable about hunting and, and, and all that stuff. And I, I'm not quite as knowledgeable about fishing as you are about hunting just because I don't have the opportunity to do as much as you do. I don't know. I disagree. I mean, look, like you've got, I don't know what, 25 years of experience in, in, in saltwater fishing. 40. All right. So 40. I mean, they changed, they would, they would change my diapers on the, on the boat. Well, there you go. So like, that's a, that's an load of experience. (laughs) Quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I don't know. Like, I think the concept of the show lends itself well to the, to the idea that, that I'm, while I will participate in in saltwater stuff, it's not my main focus. So as I will, I'll be. I'll go to the woods with you. Right. It's just not. It's just not my passion. It's just not what I do. But yeah, if you say, "Hey, I'm going to the farm this weekend. You 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 want to go with me? Yeah, let's go." Right. So I think like I think almost every show will seem almost interview ish in style. Um, and I, I've already got some guys lined up on the saltwater side to interview, uh, guys who are professional guides, folks that I know personally that I, that I've interacted with at tackle shops and, and things, especially the Northern Gulf of Mexico. 
right. uh, guys that I've interacted with in, in tackle shops, uh, the the guides that I've used in Costa Rica and and uh, uh, Aruba. And I'm just being, I'm bragging at this point, but, but, but the guides that I, that, that I, that I've interacted with and, and you had the same thing on the hunting side with people, the, the rangers that you've interacted with, especially the guys that you talked to when you went out to Idaho that were so helpful with, this is where you want to go in. This is, you know, this is the trail you want to follow. This is the sign you're looking for. And this is what we're seeing this time of year. Right. And, and all those guys are super, super helpful. And what's so great about the outdoor community is it's not like we don't compete against each other. We all want each other to win. Right. If, if, I, if I see a, if I see a, a 2,000 pound Marlin come in, I'm not like you, you SOB. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. What did you use? Right. Yeah. Where were what you? Is, <laughs> it's not even where were you? What, tr- what, <laughs> What trolling spread did you use? Were they were they uh, islanders? Islanders, you know, what were you using to to do that? Were, were they deep? Were they? And these guys are so proud of what they did. They love to talk about it, whether it's inshore speckled trout or if it's offshore marlin. These guys are really proud of what they do, and they're really good at what they do, and and they want to talk about it. And I really want to give these guys a voice, right? It w- and this is going to be absolutely again absolutely apolitical, totally outside of. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Although the Georgia Virtue is a sponsor of the show, we also have Dobbs Defense, which is a firearms manufacturer, uh, gonna, gonna, is uh, coming in as a sponsor of the show. So anybody else that wants wants to come in, we're ab- we love to, to highlight your company. Right. Yeah. No. Totally. No. Like I, like from a food perspective. It's, it's a thing for me because I kind of like it with the the various aspects of it as far as where, you know, like we, we in you and I discussing it, we're talking about, you know, let's, let's try to line it up with the seasons that are in, right? So, you know, obviously from a hunting perspective, the the seasons through the summer and early fall are just nothing like like the like it, it, like but 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 from a fishing perspective uh june and july we have snapper season which is you know in the northern gulf of mexico is the money maker going into august we have trigger fish gray trigger fish which is absolutely delicious and uh, amberjack, which is wonderful in the grill. So we have those those seasons. So as fishing starts to turn off a little bit, uh, we we start to get into. In fact, again in the northern Gulf of Mexico, where my boat is, guys actually transition from being fishing guides in September and October to being hunting guides. Right. Yeah. So so the same guy that that took you out to go to go catch snapper in July and September will go take you to go kill that, that monster buck. Right. That's a, it's funny, man. When I was, uh, several years ago when I was out in Montana, uh, doing a, we did a, uh, snowmobile tour through Yellowstone national park in like the ass end of January, first part of February. That's what he did. He was in the winter time. He, he, guided snowmobile trips in the spring he was a landscaper 
And in the summer, he was a landscaper. But in the fall and the first part of winter, he was a hunting guide. So it, it like there's a kind of a year round thing there that we can go and where I, the, the plan and, is. And, and, and there's a beauty to that. Oh, yeah. There's a beauty to the guy that, that, that lives by the seasons. Dude, I love it. Like, so, like, it's a guy that, that you know, I, I know we talked about being all apolitical and whatever, but, you know, if, if things get all crazy with vaccines and whatever else, and you can't do this and you can't show up here and and whatever, you know, a guy that can live off the land from season to season... There's a lot to be said for that. There is. There's also something to be said for somebody who doesn't live their life on Fox News or CNN. Oh, no doubt. Uh, you could ask him right now who the president is and be like, ah. <laughs> same, as Bush? The, same as the last guy? Yeah, I mean, Bush, Clinton? I mean, uh, uh, the last debate I saw was 1996, and it was uh, Dole, uh, that Dole guy. Is he the same guy that makes the... Makes the canned uh, uh, pineapples, yeah. It, no, it, it, there's there's a beauty to that of that. It doesn't matter what happens nationally to him, right? It, he does. He doesn't care, right? What he's worried about is what happens with the hunting regs, what happens with the fishing regs. That uh, there's there's a there's a pureness to that lifestyle. But Matt, we are way way long, which we're guilty of doing. Oh, every time. But. Please look look for our show coming out. It's going to come out in the next month or so. Uh, we're we're going to set aside time to 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 really get it. The first show is going to be mostly an introduction that listeners here are going to be well aware of who we are, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we'll go into a little bit of our of our outdoor resumes and all that stuff, and then we're going to really get into the meat and potatoes of of fishing and hunting and what we do with our quarry. But on that note. For Matt Lowe, our guest and former co-host and hopefully future co-host. For Jessica Salaji, who is sitting in a cell in Chatham County. (laughs) For Eric Cumby, our editor. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. See y'all next time.